0: As for those who want to make technology sexy. All the product developers, designers, UX, UI professionals, product managers, CTOs and CEOs. And it is for you. My name is Dr. Peter Oreska. My friends call me Dr. Peter. I am your host and I am happy that you are here. Those of you that are... Regular listeners of my podcast of the Human Technology Podcast, they will realize that the sound quality of today's episode is not as good as in all the other episodes. And there there is a good reason for this, a bit uh, of view behind the curtains, behind the scenes, I Usually, up to now, I have recorded all of my podcasts in my office in Böblingen, near Stuttgart. And I have an office there, which is a room in my apartment. It is very silent. Uh, We live close to downtown, but on a minor road, a minor side side street. And uh, the room is with a a bit of carpet and some uh, books on, on, on the wall. And I have a really, really good podcast microphone. When I, when I started my podcasts, I got some re- recommendations from professional podcasters. And they said to me that I should get this in this microphone. Um, this is the best value for money. And I got it. And um, these two facts, um, there's room uh, and the microphone, they create the quality you are used to. At the moment I am sitting in my apartment at Berlin which is yeah, um, no carpets, no books on the wall and I'm having no microphone here so I'm using the laptop microphone which leads then to a different sound quality than usual. I hope it is still good enough that you get what I'm talking about. And yeah, I I promise um, I will do everything that the next episode then uh, will be recorded again with a proper microphone and with all good. It's a good reason why I am here in in Berlin. Uh, it's, It's Wednesday, the 22nd of June, 2022. And yesterday and Monday, Monday and Tuesday this week, there was the Car HMI... Conference here in Berlin. I had the honor to moderate the second day, and I had a workshop on on the first day. And I'm using the chance that uh, I have a few slots uh, open today here on this day, right after the conference, to talk about the Car HMI conference. The past two days that we. Uh, Spent there with a group of highly dedicated HMI, automotive HMI professionals. A bit on the background, it is organized by a company called WeConnect, based here in Berlin. It's the 11th edition here in Europe. Uh, They had a few in the USA, which is usually located in the larger Detroit area, Detroit metro area. And uh, there was an online edition in, I think, February or March this year, uh, which also I had the honor to moderate. It was a half day, very focused, very concentrated on automotive HMI. I have attended the past six, seven conferences here in Europe, and it is always a very good, it's always an excellent event. The guys and girls at WeConnect are highly professional, very focused. They set up great stages for their speakers. They uh, take care a lot about the well-being of the participants. Uh, So it is a very good conference from the organizational point of view and also from, from the content point of view. This year we had 200 participants on site plus roughly the same number of participants online. It was not really clear how many there were online, but uh, one representative of weconnect said to me, yeah, it's, it's roughly the same number as, as in the room. Last year, there was a car HMI which was heavily under pandemic conditions with roughly 80 participants, Before the pandemic, before uh, 2020, I mean, in 2020, there was no car HMI as there. I think in 2020, there was nothing where where people were able to meet. But before that, um, that was almost 400 participants. So we are not yet back to the old numbers, the pre-pandemic numbers of uh, participants. Probably or part of this will be the travel restrictions that still exist as far as I know inside some of the bigger companies. It is also about the employees themselves, the potential participants themselves that refrain from from traveling. And... Yeah, so so I hope we will get back to the old figures next year. But but this year it was still a very good cloud and um, highly interested people. And the um, presentations were all live besides one, uh, which could not attend. But that was not based on the pandemic, at least not directly on the pandemic, but that particular person was not able to ...get a flight at all, because uh, we have this cancellation of flights here in Europe, and uh, so he was not able to travel to Berlin. The location, as always, is in the Titanic Hotel in Berlin Mitte, in the center of, of Berlin. If I really like this location, I mean, it's a matter of taste, to put it that way... I would have decorated it slightly different, but it is a highly efficient location, which is very well suited to host uh, roughly this number of people. Between one hundred and, and four or five hundred people can very well be hosted, and uh, yeah, they it is it is you, you can do things there in in this range and in, in this size. So yes, it's a good choice there, and it's easy to reach. The underground station is right in front of the door. So, yep, convenient location, and uh, the fact that I don't like the lamps and the walls and the carpets is, is a matter of taste, and it's more or less my personal problem. The relevant speakers were there, many of them old friends, old acquaintances, and also a few new faces. And I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to see new faces. And they're seeing, okay, the Automotive H, HMI Arena, uh, HMI, Human Machine Interface. The Automotive HMI Arena is growing. We have fresh blood there. And we also um, yeah, have people that are very constantly present, that, that bring enormous amounts of experience, that have years of development experience in different contexts and different companies. So, yeah, it's, it's a very good mix of, of um, known people and and, and fresh, fresh participants. With um, the speakers present, the relevant topic in, let's say, an expanded area of automotive HMI were addressed. So the major things were covered. It was not only about, let's say, the core HMI, um, the screens and the buttons and the touchscreens and the voice recognitions, and so the core HMI, but it was also about markets, market trends, and technologies that are upcoming, technologies that um, are uh, will be dead, will be dying soon. So it's a good mix there. A little bit of backgrounds, um, some of the presentations that I really like. But uh, take a a 30,000 feet view, very generic, uh, very uh, philosophical, very um, analytical, a lot about technologies, processes, uh, but also about artificial intelligence, about automated driving. So basically covering the entire area of how do humans interact with vehicles and How do humans relate to vehicles? I thought about the format of this podcast and I have the feeling that a detailed report with all the figures and telling you this technology will take 35% of a market and here we have a raise of 5% per year or whatever, That will not work in this podcast format. So I decided to analyze what I have heard, to work out and command a few, five, five key statements. And some of these statements came from single persons and single presentations. Others were mentioned by more than one person in more than one context. And yes, to some of them I fully agree, to some of them I have a, let's say, um, mixed view and uh, some of them are opposed to my view. And I think I have the right to analyze that, to work it out and to say, okay, these are the things I believe in and those are the things I don't believe in. And yeah, for, for those that are interested in the details I will be compiling a written report with all the details, with uh, yeah, all the statements and some of the figures and all these things. This will take an additional few days uh, to, to finalize it. If you want to have a copy of that report, which is totally free and totally non-binding, it's a uh, public paper, it's a white paper, Um, that that you can spread and distribute and that um, where I know that that, it is very well distributed in the industry these these kinds of paper and you can do this you can be part of this you can contact me either on LinkedIn or by email whatever channel is convenient to you and and, then once it is uh, finished you will receive your complimentary copy All right, let's go into the statements that I talked to. And number one was multimodal HMIs are often designed in silos. That one came up in different occasions during the the conference. And and what, what is meant by this? One example, you start, you're standing at a, at a red traffic light and you're starting the input of a destination on the touchscreen. The light turns green, you start driving, and then you want to finish the input of the destination into the system with the voice recognition. You will find out in most cases it just doesn't work. You have to start from the beginning. Or it's the other way around. You start with a voice recognition input and you say Germany, Berlin, Brandenburg Gate and the last one, the destination or the street name is not understood. And you say, okay, then I will type it in if the system doesn't understand it. And uh, then you will find out again that you will have to start from scratch, from the beginning. You cannot take over what the voice recognition is uh, has recognized you, you cannot complete this in a uh, touch game no. um I mean this is the the multimodal game between voice and touch we have more modes like handwriting like uh, gestures um, maybe ambient light as part of the HMI and with all those it's pretty much the same so in, in many contexts, you have the feeling that, that this automotive HMI is not one single monolithic HMI, but it very often consists of several different parts that have little or nothing to do with each other. If you have a voice voice recognition, you may use a one-shot. You say, um, Germany, Berlin, Straße uh, 57... And then it is taken over, and yeah, and it, it's not possible to do the same thing in, in, in writing. You have to fill in the single areas, the single fields of country, of city, of, of street address. So, again, here you have a difference with this. And then speech inputs very often follow a different logic. And but the worst case here is that you have to use a different vocabulary between the different modes. So maybe it, it says um, navigation and, uh, on the button uh, on, on the hard key or, or the touchkin key. and you need to say destination when you use a voice input. So you have these two different words and I mean that, that is pretty much of, of a disaster if you do not have this one. What is required here, and there is no single button press solution, it's not an easy solution, but at the end of the day, the development of multimodal HMI, speech, touchscreen, buttons, gestures, handwriting, that needs to have a holistic approach. So if if you make the concept development, even in the analysis phase, You, you have to see the HMI as a whole and not saying, okay, I, I'm the visual guy and I'm, do everything that is visual and haptic. And uh, another guy says, or another person says, I am, I'm the voice girl and I will do everything just for voice. But you will need a close cooperation to get this uh, monolithic, uh, holistic, overarching concept and that, I think the, the the bottleneck here very often is really the handover between the different modes. And you say, okay, starting with voice, finishing with touchscreen, or the other way around. That will add a lot of positive user experience and a lot of value to the HMI. Number two out of five. HMI and functionalities in HMIs shall be adapted to the specific use cases in electric vehicles. The idea behind this is that one could believe, I mean it's a car and it's it's supposed to take me from A to B and it's supposed to be safe, fast, efficient. So what's the difference between a combustion engine car and a electric vehicle. And to understand this better, let's let's make one step back. When we started to develop to develop cars in the late nineteenth century, the developers took horse carriages, moved away the horses and replaced them with a combustion engine. That was basically the idea and all the rest remained the same Uh, over a hundred years. Hundreds of years um, horse carriages were optimized, were developed for the use with horses. And so the lateral um, engine was replaced by a combustion engine and first, in the first years the rest remained the same. And in the same situation we are with electric vehicles today. We are having the same kind of cars with a combustion engine with a plug-in ev hybrid or fully electric it's the same car uh, but different different um, kinds of dive, drive trains in there because it's not only the engine i mean a combustion engine requires a gearbox and there needs to be a way to transport the torque from the gearbox to the wheels to 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 the tires and electric engines, it's totally different. I mean, you can put the engines into, into the wheels, and uh, so you will not have any of these problems, and you will not need a gearbox in most of the um, electric engines that you have out there. So you can design cars totally different to, to really get the advantages of an, an, of an electric car. First of all, in the interior, you have a lot of more space in there. Because you don't have this engine, you don't have the gearbox you have to put in there, I and mean, you have to place the battery somehow somewhere. Um, but but the interior layout um, can be totally can be totally different. On the other hand, these combustion cars that we have out there, they are very optimized. They are very well designed products from an aer- aerodynamic point of view, from a safety point of view. There's a lot of brain power in there. And and these products are really, really great products. And so the task for the next years is to find out what can we take over from the combustion engine area into the new area with electric drivetrains. The same idea goes into the Infotainment system into the relationship through this screen that you have on the dashboard, between the human and the technology. Biggest problem here is the charging management. You have mo- most users of electric cars have this range anxiety, and it is not without a reason. I mean, there's a good reason to have this. Uh, because I mean, if if you run out of battery, you have a problem. Then you need to find a charging station. They are not as frequently available as gas stations. You have to charge the car, and uh, the the uh, uh, the charging takes longer than than fueling your car. So that that is that is um, a serious problem that so many people have. And, we have these navigation systems in the car, and we have a lot of intelligence, a lot of um, uh, computing power in the car. But most of them, we do not have a charging management that, that really helps you, that really supports you while driving. So, if you if you want to drive from uh, Stuttgart to Berlin, which is about seven hundred kilometers, you will not make it without a a charging in between, and yeah, you should have this in the navigation system, this distance management system that helps you. And on the market, there is hardly anything reasonable out there. I mean, the, the, the new Mercedes EQS has a pretty good one, Tesla, Polestar, they all have implementations of this. What we need in any car is an interactive, adaptive, flexible charging management system. So if you start at Stuttgart, It should, for example, take into account, oh, it's a cold day, probably Peter will use the seat heating. That consumes energy. We have a bit of traffic jams and a bit of heavy traffic around the Stuttgart area, so it will take a little longer to go there. And based on this data and based on the availability of of, uh, charging stations, um, my navigation tells me, all right, you drive until there, then you will have a 15-minute charging break, and after that, you drive to another charging station close to Berlin, and you will have another five minutes charging break, and that will take you to your apartment in Berlin. And you have maybe fifteen percent in the battery remaining in, in in the battery. So this this charging management and fully automatic. I mean, you type in your destination, the car knows where it is. It know has all the information available and makes you this one. And if there is a traffic jam coming up on on the way that was not expected. It, of course, needs to recalculate, and find out. Okay, I'm not, well, We have to have to have an earlier charging stop or a longer charging stop, and this needs to be implemented into the estimated time of arrival and to the route guidance. Ideally, the system then also reserves uh, a relevant or the, the appropriate uh, charging station that you have, uh, prepays it, I mean, all these things, all this what is called charging management that should be integrated into the navigation. Number three, the driver's Place the driver's workplace in commercial vehicles like trucks or buses or delivery vans is also a workplace and it must be designed differently. That was a statement that came up in one of these uh, presentations and yes, I can partially agree. First of all, because the tasks of professional drivers of for example delivery van drivers they they are totally different so if, if i'm in a private car i want to drive from a to b and it's my decision when i start and if it takes a little longer probably it doesn't matter too much and i have myself in the car and maybe there is a bag or a bit of what i did during my shopping tour a couple of bags with me so all this is in the car but then i drive it by myself and I drive myself and the stuff I have with me to be to my destination. If you have a delivery van driver, he has a certain point where he starts or she. And then uh, there is a route, maybe 15 different locations uh, he or she needs to drive to in Berlin downtown and deliver goods and put in goods and... I mean, these goals are totally different. One is driving comfortably from A to B. And the other one is making money, satisfying clients, m- delivering goods on time, collecting things. And so you need to have different functions in your vehicle. The needs of professional drivers are different from the needs of private drivers. One of my clients is developing one of these electric uh, delivery vans and the focus is very much on cargo apps, on route planning apps, on communication apps, on, on sending automatic messages to clients if there is a delay more than 15 minutes. and All these things are much more on the focus and they will not make any sense in a, in a private car. On the other hand... Professional drivers are humans, too. They're regular humans, and they have the same limits as everyone else. And very often I heard this statement, I mean, this is for professional drivers. And usually this means we don't need to take care about the HMI quality. I mean, they get paid, and it's a painful job anyway to be a professional driver, so it can be a poor HMI, it doesn't matter. They can learn it. That's not an excuse for embed bad HMI. The idea, he can learn it, he's a professional, shall not be applied. And the same goes for the statement, trucks are not show, sold in showrooms. Trucks are sold to professional fleet managers or purchasing guys. Yes, that is true. But the respect that we should have against humans should lead us to the solution that we make the best possible HMI for anyone. And yes, we have this differentiation in functions and priority of functions and the excess of functions between professional drivers and private drivers, but there should not be a difference in the quality of the solution. Number four, and um, this is a big one, and I know that in this particular case, my professional opinion is against the mainstream. But um, I'm the HMI punk, so I'm, um, I give myself the allowance to say it, and many of my clients hire me for exactly that. Uh, say us your opinion, um, even if it is not comfortable for us. And here it goes, Uh, here it is about Android Auto and Apple CarPlay. And all the other related things like Android Automotive, uh, like the future of Apple CarPlay, Apple just brought out the new concept that they have with the idea they do not only want to take over the the infotainment area, but also the core car functions like the cluster display and the primary and secondary controls in the car. There is a strong user pull to implement these technologies into vehicles. The users, the buyers of cars simply expect to have this. And if you have a look, I mean, there, there, there is a very, very strong um, pull of these apps they are super highly attractive to users, to just check a WhatsApp, to have a quick look at my mails, to play a different playlist from, from Spotify. So people want to do this and they want to do this with their, with, their, with their smartphones or in a smartphone style, which makes Android Auto and Apple CarPlay super attractive technologies and uh, to implement in, in cars. Plus the fact that there are many, many apps out there. So the, the big app stores have 2 billion apps each. 95% is rubbish, but uh, the remaining 5% is still more than enough than you should have in a car. But people want to use it, they want to have it. They say, yes, I want these apps, and um, yeah, I want to stay on the cutting edge, I want to stay on the forefront of interaction, of functionality, of technology with this. And this is fully understandable. The problems with this are, from my point of view, obvious and overwhelming. First of all, It's about usability. All these apps, they are designed for use as a primary task. So if you have a smartphone, if you have your tablet and you check out your mails or you write a message on WhatsApp, you check your Facebook timeline, whatever you do, you do this and nothing else. In vehicles... And cars, when you're the driver and we will have in the foreseeable time frame one person in the car that is fully responsible for what the car is doing. I mean, level three um, automation that allows the driver to pull out of the control loop for, for a short time frame uh, is pretty far away. Uh, I mean, there are single, very single uh, applications for this. So we will remain with level two Uh, the driver needs to be in the control loop constantly. We will need this, uh, we will have this in uh, the next years. Um, I would even say a decade, um, we will have one person in the car that needs to have control over the driving process, meaning the driving process is the primary task and the secondary tasks are uh, all these medias and apps and Music, or it's even a tertiary task in in the definition of of, uh, task hierarchy in in CARS. So it's not the main task. And all these apps that you have there, they are designed for use as a primary task. So um, they're not designed for use besides another task. The HMIs you see in vehicles today—they are optimized for this secondary task use or tertiary task use. The guys and girls of automotive HMI design have, over the past twenty years, done a brilliant job in bringing the HMI, the HMIs in a car, to a level that you can use it while driving. This is always a core point: how can we limit driver distraction? How much can we really allow? How can we ease the use during driving without creating too much distraction? So, this is the core of their thinking, which is totally not the core of the thinking of an app programmer. And another point is um, the brand identity that you have. And, When I started working in Automotive HMIs, Infotainment HMI, which was in the late 90s, the first one I had a closer contact with was the S-Class of that time, the W220. And the Infotainment was designed by one of the big suppliers, including the HMI. The OEMs learned. Then, in the years after, we will not get rid of the screens on our dashboards. We will have to live them for for, for, forever. And interior design is the core competency of a car competence of a of an OEM. So they pulled it all over to their side. And when I was at Harman, which is a big supplier, automotive supplier of these infotainment systems. Uh, they said to me, hey, Peter, keep your stupid fingers out of this. We, we don't need you. We, we don't need your competence. We do this all... It's, it's our car competence to do this. I mean, it's not true, but yeah, that, that was the main um, statement at that time. And they created this brand identity. And if you have a look at the screen designs of, let's say, a Porsche, and Audi, and a BMW, it takes you a single glimpse to find out which is from which OEM. So it's very strong branding. On the other side... If we get these autonomously driving or automated driving, highly automated electric cars, the core technology for driving, the engine and the drivetrains, they will get more and more similar. So in the earlier ages, you had just like, hey, wow, there is a V8 engine, or I have a six-cylinder BMW engine with the cylinders in a row, or I have a boxer engine with four cylinders. So that, that was important. And that made the differentiation between brands. That will be not the case in, in the future. So, driving behavior will be more more unified. Uh, the technology will not play that much of a role. So, the big differentiator between the brands will be the interior and will be the HMI. So, the idea that they, with this. Branding that we have, the the importance of the HMI branding on one side and Android Auto and Apple CarPlay and all these standardized apps on the other side, that just doesn't go together. So you endanger, as an OEM, the idea of brand identity, of creating a brand identity by using a Spotify app that looks like a Spotify app in every car that you have. You lose the freedom of design. You lose the control over your dashboard. And then at the very end, last but definitely not least, it's a security problem. I personally trust the automotive OEMs more than big tech out of Silicon Valley. If it is about data security, if it's about safety, if it's about uh, uh, anti-hacking strategies. All right, that was number four. Number five. Um, That was one that came up in many different presentations uh, at the CAR HMI. Innovation for the sake of innovation creates junk. You need to create value with technology, real value. So technology is such as not having a value. Only if you meet human needs, desires, abilities, dreams, pain points, then It is good technology. And as I said, um, this came out in almost, it felt like every second presentation. Um, So it is catching more and more the thinking of HMI designers or product designers or product planners. and That when technology drives, you very often end up with a solution where you desperately need a problem form. What I see is that more and more product developments today are based on serious research, on serious analysis, of yeah, focusing on real user needs. And you may think about the so-called faster horses problem, and it is said that Henry Ford—I don't know whether that's true or not—but Um, Henry Ford once said, if I would have asked my customers, they would have answered me, faster horses, we need faster horses. And yes, probably they would have done this. But our job as technology developers is to build the bridge, to analyze what people really want, what is behind it. So asking why or asking what for, that is... A very good question. And you do this a couple of times, and then, once you have found out the core need behind a statement of a user, then you can find different technologies, different solutions, and you can innovate based on that. So, for the faster horses problem, just an example to, to stick with this. You ask a person, what do you want to have, and uh, he or she says, faster horses. Then you ask yourself, what does it mean, faster horses? Why do they want faster horses? They want to have a shorter travel time between A and B. Why do they want to have a shorter travel time? Well, maybe it's inconvenient to be in a car. Maybe it is uh, you're stuck in with uh, strangers, with foreigners in, in a car. Maybe it is just the time that you could use for something else uh, instead of sitting in there. Then you can think, all right, how can I realize this one in a different way? Not only with faster horses. And then maybe you come up with a solution. We need a combustion engine or we need an electric engine and then we can cut the time, the travel time between A and B instead of using faster horses. Another example that was discussed on the car HMI is uh, many users state, "I want to have an electric vehicle with a range of 800 kilometers." The question again here is, what is behind this wish? Why, why, why do they want this? First of all, of course, range anxiety. Yeah. So within Germany, um, the longest trip probably you can make is around 800 kilometers. So if I have a range of 800 kilometers, I'm pretty safe at least with traveling inside Germany. But the real wish is like, I want to arrive as soon or as fast as with a combustion engine. And I don't want to be afraid of not having enough energy or um, that I have to make long stopovers to charge my battery. So if you have this idea, then you know, okay, fast loading procedures and a good safe planning procedure, a charging management, That is what people really want. Not the faster horses, not the range of 800 kilometers, but they want to be sure that they arrive on time, that they will not run run out of battery halfway between uh, nowhere, and they want to have short and planned, pre-planned charging stops. So this comes then through solution. But this one, I mean, um, the innovation for the sake of innovation leads to junk. This is one of my core statements. This is what makes me stand up every morning and get active for my clients, make these podcasts, write my books. And this is the reason why I am active here in the arena of automotive HMIs. All right. So those were the five statements um, that I took away from uh, the car HMI 2022. Number one, multimodal HMIs are often designed in silos. Number two, HMI and functionalities must be adapted to the specific use cases of and in electric vehicles. Number three. The driver's seat in commercially used vehicles like buses, trucks, and so on is a workplace and must be designed differently. Number four, Android Auto and Apple CarPlay versus well designed automotive HMIs. Number five, innovation for the sake of innovation does not create value, but may lead to solutions that you need to seek a problem for. As I said, if you are interested in the details of this conference, I am compiling a report on this one. It will be available. Uh, I will publish this on LinkedIn. It will go to my mailing list. If you want to receive your copy, let me know on any of the channels that you can contact me on. If you like this podcast, do me the favor and recommend it in your network. The more listeners I have, the higher I will be ranked in the various on the various platforms, in the various apps. and the even more people get the chance to listen to this podcast to the Human Technology podcast and may get some inspiration out of what I do here. That's it for today. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you were able to take something with you and do something for yourself that will be forever. For an unknown exchange, you will find me on LinkedIn and on my websites peter Rusker.com and beyond-hmi.de. Write me an email on the podcast@ at beyond-hmi.de you know Tune in next time take care and stay healthy